You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We do have Doug Branson joining us once again. I know he did a solo show on Friday. You'll get both of us back today. He'll join us in the second and third segments today. We'll talk about Mitch Kupchak's comments. They were weird. Don't know if anybody really knows what to make of them, but we'll discuss that later on. Also, I'll get Doug's thoughts on Terry Rozier, Kimball Walker, and that situation. We haven't had a chance to talk about that since it went down. So I will get all of Doug's thoughts on that. But first, as we talked to you about it last week, the first segment will include another man's thoughts, and that are the thoughts of Brendan Marks of the Charlotte Observer. Brendan, thanks for joining us today, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Walker. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, those those comments Mitch made were certainly uh, interesting, to, to put it lightly. <laughs> well, let's get down to them. They're weird. I don't. They weren't well thought out, Brendan. I just don't get them, man. So here's here's a guy in Mitch Kupchak who had an introductory press conference, which I think was highly criticized. It was one that. He it, w- it was not met well from everybody. And I feel like he'd been fine ever since, you know, whatever. And now here are some comments that he had Saturday about the direction the team is heading. And it, he seemed to not realize that this team is not good enough to make the playoffs. And it seemed like he might even try to do some things to try to get this team in the postseason or at least in contention for it. Uh, do you have any problem with what Mitch Kupchak said on Saturday, Brendan? Just your overall thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit it sort of spot on. It was just sort of a, a question of, like, what are you doing, Mitch? I mean, not not to be mean or anything, but it just <laughs> seems sort of directionless. Um, I, I think everybody sort of realized and, and has come to the, I don't know if acceptance is the right word, but they've come to, you know, acknowledge at least that this is a team that is going to be competing for an incredibly high lottery pick next year, uh, given the current roster, even with Terry Rozier. This is a team that's that's going to be in the bottom, you know, five or six teams in the NBA. Um, it's going to be a developmental year. You have so many young pieces. You just added more of them. Um, so for him to come out and say some of the things that he did about contention, and you know, I thought the, one of the things that was most striking to me was that he didn't really give a commitment to all of these young guys, which have consistently been one of the things that he's trying to get. I mean, you want young talent in the NBA. And now that they have an opportunity to see what that talent is, they're going out and they're going to try not to play them. It, it just seemed like backwards logic and like everything was going in a circle. I, I didn't really understand why uh, he hadn't prepared a little bit closer for that, but it just seemed like he was unwilling to throw cold water on the franchise and let everyone know, hey, we're rebuilding. Uh, this is how it's going to be. And, and he sort of refused to do that. These comments come on the tail end of an already uh, move that made the Hornets fans real temperamental after getting Terry Rozier for close to $20 million annually. He's going to be making $58 million, all guaranteed for the next three years in total. Uh, what did you think overall about the Terry Rozier addition to this team? Yeah, I mean, obviously the team needed some guard help with Kembagon. I mean, you're not going to have Devontae Graham as your lone point guard. And I know some people say Malik Monk, and I'm not even going to address those people. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was of the mindset that what the team should do is try to sign another young, cheap uh, point guard, someone like, a, I don't know, like a Mudaye, um, bring them in for a year or two, just so there's a little bit of stability there, just so you have a, a proven NBA option. Um, but really, 
what you want to do during this time is try to see what you've got in Devontae Graham. I don't know that Devontae Graham is ever going to be the caliber of player where he can be, you know, a, a qualified starting point guard on a contender, on a perennial contender, but I do think that Devontae has the potential to be a really, really good backup, one of the better backup point guards in the league. But you have to let the guy see that. I, I think they're still going to give him some of that opportunity, but I think it would have been much more beneficial for his growth and development had he been allowed more minutes and, and more of a 50-50 timeshare with another young guard, whereas compared with Terry Rozier, I think we're going to see a lot more of a split like what, what we saw with Kemba, where Terry's going to play the majority of the minutes, maybe not quite as many as Kemba, but Devontae is going to be spelling him rather than it being a true timeshare. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I had an issue with. And obviously the money is an issue, too. Why are you signing anybody to any sort of long-term deal when you're trying to get money off the books? It was completely ludicrous from a financial standpoint. We had talked about this on the wake-up call, Brendan, about the situation that the Hornets were in via Kimball Walker. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you stood on the path of getting rid of Kimba at least at this point just because of the money or just allowing him maybe to part ways with the franchise because of the money yet it did seem still that it wasn't handled the best way after they seemed to have lowballed him certainly in comparison to the money that they could have offered him that could have been anywhere from 170 to 190 to 221 just overall how did you think the Hornets handled this Kimba Walker situation yeah, I mean, I, I, you're totally right. I have been someone who for the past couple of months, uh, ever since the season ended, I have said that, you know, I think it's probably in the best interest of both the franchise and of the Hornets for, for Kemba to find a new place to play. Um, I think that it's going to work out for Kemba as well. He gets to go to a place where he can contend in the playoffs, and I know how much winning means to him and how much losing has been a pain in the neck for him. So I'm really happy for Kemba that he gets that opportunity. That all said... The way it was handled still makes it come off as if the team was still trying to lowball him, and that's the last thing you want. I mean, Kemba has been, I think it's arguable, but he's got a really good case for being on the best bargain contract in the NBA the last four seasons. I mean, he was making a full almost $10 million less than any other All-Star starter. Um, the Hornets didn't seem to truly appreciate that by continuing to lowball him. I mean, this is a guy who is he's entering or already in the prime of his career, this is probably his best and biggest chance to cash out in free agency, potentially his only one given that uh, more you know people of his size who play his position, you, a six-foot point guard, typically isn't going to hold up for incredibly long in the NBA. Um, you want to make sure that you get your money when you can. So I, I applaud Kemba for going and doing that. The team lowballing him, I, I think it just makes it look like they didn't fully appreciate him. And also, of course, what it does is it stirs up more questions of if you were going to lose Kemba, why did you not try and acquire some sort of assets for him when you had the opportunity to? Whether that's this February, whether it's the February of 2018, um, you know, people argue about whether or not the team should have traded him two years ago. I understand trying to chase the playoffs, um, but it, it's just a very frustrating situation, I think, and, and they did nothing to help the issue by their offer to him. Um, but I'm happy for Kemba, and I, I really hope that he succeeds in Boston because he certainly deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Brendan Marks here with us on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Uh, Brendan, Mitch has only been here one season, so certainly a couple of other seasons you would think to go here, but he has made a couple of moves, and one that's huge in not signing the best star that this Hornets team ever since they came back has ever had, for sure. Uh, how would you evaluate the job that Mitch Kupchak has done in just really one year's time here with the organization? Yeah, I think you know this is something that gets asked of me a lot on the radio, is you know what do you make of, of Mitch and how do you evaluate what he's done with the team so far? I think it's a really hard evaluation because 
you can't blame Mitch for the mess that he came into. You can't blame him for the summer of 2016 spend the palooza um, when the team was giving out, you know, huge contracts like they were candy at the dentist's office. I mean, you, you can't just blame all of that on him. He inherited a terrible, terrible payroll mess and ultimately, as a result, had to make a decision that he had to make. I think where we can really start to judge Mitch now is on what he does after the fact. And I think that this Terry Rozier deal, at least in the interim right now, before we see him on the court, I don't think that it's a great fit. And it's not a great look for Mitch as his first, you know, major move of consequence after getting rid of, like you said, the franchise's biggest star since the Hornets have been back. Uh, Where I think we have to evaluate Mitch going forward is how is he able to draft and develop talent how is he able to manipulate the free agent market? And how can he get Charlotte back to a point that it hasn't been at since before the team left in the first place? You know, that is ultimately his job and his responsibility. Uh, you know, I think some of these draft picks that, that they've made, I think the Miles Bridges pick, I, I think it's paying off. I think that we're seeing a versatile wing player, someone who obviously has incredible athleticism, but it seems like Miles is developing his game. Now I want to see, can we see the same thing with Dwayne Bacon? Does he continue to develop? Does Malik Monk continue to develop? Does P.J. Washington continue to develop? You know, do the Martin Twins, do they pan out? These are the sorts of moves where we can really start judging Mitch because at this point, the roster as it is is becoming much more his than what he inherited. Um, I'd say overall you could probably give Mitch like a B-minus or a C-plus overall, but we really need to judge him going forward on how a lot of these draft picks pan out. Do you think Malik Monk not playing in summer league is a problem? You know, it just didn't make sense to me because I, I think if you're Malik Monk, you can't be satisfied with what your NBA career is at this point. I especially don't think that you should be satisfied that someone like a Dwayne Bacon was getting the minutes and the opportunity and the reps and the praise, by the way, over you. If I'm Malik Monk, I'm pretty upset about all of that. And yet, rather than trying to uh, come out and prove himself on the summer league stage, which is a stage that someone like him has an opportunity to really blow up and, and explode for a game or two, uh, I just didn't totally understand why he wouldn't make that commitment. It, it felt a little bit, you know, lazy on his part to some extent. Um, you know, I know work ethic has been an issue with Malik in the past. I'm, I'm sure he's still doing work at home and on his own and with trainers. But I would think that you would want to get out there and continue developing with your teammates, with your young teammates, especially guys your age, um, even from a camaraderie standpoint. I just thought it made a lot of sense for him to go, so him not going raises a couple of questions that, uh, you know, we'll see how they get answered once the season gets here. All right. That was Brendan Marks of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Brendan, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, just make sure that you're out of the way of Miles Bridges when he takes off in the lane. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, those guys made business decisions and I don't blame them whatsoever for it. I'm not going to get dunked on in summer league either and have a bad taste in my mouth for anybody else evaluating me. You're right about that. Brendan, thanks so much, man. Really do appreciate it. Yep, thanks. Y'all take care. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more. we got Doug Branson joining me on the other side. It is the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise (laughs) rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
It's the first time that we have Doug Branson on from a different location. This is different for me. Very weird trying to figure out exactly how to do a podcast with somebody that's not in the same room. Uh, I, I feel like I'm okay with the video. We had a little bit of problems when I lost video feed of Doug Branson. But I, I feel like we're okay as long as I can get my tab set up. I can see you very clearly when we've talked before we started recording. I feel like there was no lag to this, so I feel like I get the hang of this, even though I'm not nearly as te- uh, technologically sound as you are. I'm coming to you from a secret bunker location <laughs> where I'm free to have reasonable opinions about the ownership of this franchise without being uh, threatened, my life threatened on social media. Um, but yeah, it's great. To, it's great to be here. It's great to see you uh, through the miracle of technology. We are doing this through Zoom, and and both of our pictures are up. I'd love to figure out how to record this and put this on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash LOH, because I think that would be a really cool thing for people to kind of get an inside look at where we record. I love your place. It looks fantastic. Uh, I imagine that was most of producer Katie's decorating work rather than your own. Is that correct? Well, hold on now. Hold on now. (laughs) You got a little HDTV to you? uh, Yeah, you're shorting. Well, I have to because that's that's what Katie watches. So we we are both uh, big Fixer Upper fans. And uh, yeah, we've you have any ship lab in your house right now. What's that? Do you have any shiplap in your house right now? Oh, shiplap everywhere. Man, I'm telling you, somebody's <laughs> going to watch one of those shows several years from now or even go into one of the homes that they've built and go, my God, why are why is there so much wood? There's wood There's, everywhere. They're just using wood. It, it's shiplap everywhere. There's wood everywhere. That's exactly what they like to do on that show. Okay, let, let's get to Mitch Kupchak comments, Doug, because they've got everybody freaking out on Twitter, and they are pretty bad. <laughs> They're bad. They're not great. <laughs> They're not good. No, they're not. So let's get to some of the quotes that Mitch Kupchak had for us on Saturday that's got everybody kind of running around in a frantic mode. So here's one of them. He says on the potential of a rebuild, not even the potential, right? He's just on if the Hornets are in rebuild mode right now. Rick Bennell asked this question and Mitch said, quote, I think it's a little early to say rebuild. We're still in a period where you can make trades and acquire free agents. Perhaps that's a better question at the end of the summer. Okay. You, you so, feel like you, you kind of <laughs> hope that that would be a question that you could answer right now, right? Yeah. I mean, that, or, or at least say definitively, hey, we're going to contend. We have a plan. This was basically him saying, we don't have a plan. Yet. You know, and, and until we add a guy like Kim Birch or a Trey Lyles <laughs> and, and that really propels us into the thick of things in the playoff race, then I just can't give you that answer right now, Rick. But until we get a Kim Birch, to launch us into relevancy in the NBA, then I can't give you that answer right now. Look, it's dumb. It's just a dumb comment. I don't get it. There are two ways to take this as a problem from which Mitch Kupchak has, right? Or what Mitch Kupchak said. And I think there's only one thing to be legitimately concerned about. I think one thing you can just put to the wayside. The two things that people are worried about or the two things people have problems with are, one, do the Hornets actually see themselves as contending for a playoff spot. And the other one is, why do they think we're stupid? Just be honest with us. I think the only thing you should concern yourself with is the latter. I don't think that the Hornets think that they're actually in somewhat of playoff contention. I think this is a general manager not wanting to admit that they don't have a whole lot of talent on their team, even though there's no problem with that. I just don't think that's what Mitch Kupchak wants to do. They've shown us through their actions that they think they're a rebuilding team. They did it at the trade deadline 
When they decided to hold on to Kimball Walker, that might be one thing. But they were not willing to risk getting rid of even a guy like Malik Monk, who did not have a fantastic amount of value to his name. More than he does now. But they weren't even willing to get rid of Malik Monk or any first-round pick to get a Marcus All or somebody like that to pair alongside Kimba. Also, Mitch Kupchak said that they were going to do everything they possibly could. That's his words. Everything they possibly could do to keep Kimba Walker on this roster. When the time to give him the money is up, they give him $160 million, which is lower than what all of us thought he was going to get. Uh, the lowest we were going was even 170 and that was a little too low for me even. They offered him 160 So that was a lie. He didn't do everything that they possibly could do to keep Kimball Walker with the Charlotte Hornets or else he would have given him 190 180 more than 160 So there are a couple things that Mitch Kupchak has told us <laughs> that's just not true, and that means that they are going for a rebuild. It just means that Mitch Kupchak, every once in a while, just doesn't know how to handle the media, and we saw that in his introductory press conference. Or maybe he's like that guy on Twitter that went really hard on Kawhi going to the Lakers that everyone was flaming afterwards. Maybe <laughs> material circumstances changed, and they couldn't do everything that they, they could do to keep Kimba Walker. I mean, maybe that's the situation. Um, but, you know, let's, let's talk about this, though, Walker. Have... Mitch Kupchak's quotes when he comes out here and does these kind of press conferences from the from the very first press conference where he sort of insinuated that he wasn't too aware of what the cap situation was like after that was they bad. hired right. him. Like, has he ever really had a, a great press conference? Like, we've always walked away going, man, I mean, this guy has made great moves. And, and everyone uh, that I talked to around the Lakers organization had great things to say about him and that he was a, a very smart basketball mind. So we all walk away from these things going, yeah, he's, he's smart like a fox. Like he's not, he's not revealing his hand essentially. And it sort of runs him into these weird quotes. Um, but, but here we are again. Like it's, it makes you question like how, how much information is he being given? How much control does he have over the situation? And how able is he? Because look, Jordan's not coming out here and talking to the fans about what's going on. Like Mitch Kupchak is the voice of that front office. And how, how able is he to walk out on stage and and convince Hornets fans that they're moving in the right direction. Like Cho, for all of his faults, was a decent and honest communicator about the direction of the franchise. Well, it doesn't he, seem like that's he, the case with Mitch Kupchak so far. He just didn't say a whole lot, but you're right in the fact I mean, that's, that that's that's PR skill, right? I mean, no. that's skill. You know, <laughs> saying sometimes saying nothing or saying very little is better than going out there and saying something foolish. Which Actually, is not sometimes. It's always better. <laughs> no, it is. You're absolutely right. It's always better. And that's why that we should be, if there's anything that we should be mad, of, mad about, it should be the fact that, dude, just respect this enough to tell us the truth at this point. I understand that you can't reveal everything that you're going to do in free agency. I get that. Just let us know that you're rebuilding. It's not a bad word. Rebuilding is not a curse word. Let us know that you're rebuilding and that you don't have a playoff contender right now. Go play the young guys. That's what we want. In fact, we'd be happy if you told us that. Well, Walker, do you think that some of this may have to do with the fact that they are still dreaming of a scenario that brings a, a, a big player to the Charlotte Hornets via trade that would allow them to contend this year? I mean, you've got Russell Westbrook out there. Uh, in you know possibly w wanting to leave Oklahoma City or Oklahoma City wanting to go full rebuild themselves and move a player of that caliber is there is part of this Mitch just you know not wanting to get ahead of that type of situation see 
no, I don't think that. I, I don't think that they're going to go after that type of star because they want to avoid the luxury tax, one. And if they brought in Russell Westbrook, even if they were able to get off of some money, then you would have to think they inch closer and closer to that with a team that would be the same if you just would have signed Kimball Walker in the first place. That, that's what I'm saying, right? I think Mitch Kupchak just runs into bad situations where he can't verbally express what they want to do because he's trying to keep things so close to chest and in situations that you really don't need to keep some of these things close to chest. Like it doesn't do you any favors by hiding the fact that you're rebuilding. And I don't think that they I don't think that they think this is a team that can contend for a playoff spot. Not right now, not even them actually thinking, you know what, we can go get Russell Westbrook and think that's a good idea. I don't think that. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I don't think that they think that. Well, Does listen, that make sense? I mean, we, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and I mean, when you look at these comments that he had about Terry Rozier as well, it just seems like I think you're right. Those it are just the seems bad like they're ones, trying man. to put a that, good face on things. That's the bad one. That's my favorite one, which I want to get to, and then we got to get to break because we're probably running out of time. That that's the worst one of them, Doug. This is this makes me feel like he's just not very good at this. When he says, "We feel like if Terry Rozier was in the draft this year, he would have been a lottery pick." Ah. Okay, <laughs> what <laughs> the guy that is going into his what does that fifth even mean? year in the league at 25 years old. The guy going into his fifth year, that guy would be a lottery pick. One, I that's a little bit bad. If you think he's only the top 14 best player in this year's draft at 25 years old, that's a mistake. <laughs> See, this that was awful. Well, I, so that's what the it, it, we got, we, someone should have followed up. But everyone was, I'm not blaming anyone for not following up because I would have been just completely floored by that quote. I wouldn't have even known what to say. I don't even know if I could have moved. I may have been just invalid at that point. <laughs> but like, what did he mean? Did he mean Terry Rozier coming out of college would have been a lottery pick this year? Or as you said, does he mean, which would be ridiculous, that Terry Rozier at 25 years old would be a lottery pick because but then like you don't give a lottery pick close to 20 million dollars a year so no, not, it, no like, it does, it, like it none of it makes any sense no the only thing that would hopefully be salvaged here is if they met terry rogier four years ago but that still doesn't make any sense i don't know what mitch so was so what i'm there. saying that's is mitch kupchak one. is a time traveler i think that's the only that's the only reasonable explanation <laughs> for a lot of this is that mitch kupchak is a time lord he doesn't really exist in this dimension and and we have to deal with that i think you're right about that i think you're right all right we'll take a quick break we'll come back with plenty more on the lockdown hornets podcast give you our summer league thoughts it's all on the locked on podcast network this is locked on hornets but i have seen him go all That's the way up fault. to number 10 that was is there a warning do we I need was to get trying, out of here okay here's the thing my i don't know if you heard but my watch went off and i was trying to silence it and then i accidentally hit ping the phone and then the phone pinged, and and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. 
We had Rick Bennell on the wake-up call earlier this morning talk a little bit about a tweet that he had, I think yesterday or even maybe before he joined us this morning, about the possibility of the Charlotte Hornets trading Marvin Williams. And Doug, we've talked about it constantly. Marvin, if you are going to trade one of these contracts that is considered inflated, Marvin Williams makes the most sense because it seems like he has the most value and only making about $13 million, $15 million, I should say, for Marvin Williams. And that seems like a guy that is a veteran, that is a guy that has his head on straight, that's somebody that can shoot three-pointers and defend. And he said that that he knows for a fact that the Hornets have taken phone calls. He doesn't know if the Hornets were actually calling people themselves or if they were receiving them. But they have had talks about possibly trading Marvin Williams and that they didn't go much of any place, but that that is something that could possibly happen. And that's something we've talked about pretty frequently. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? Because I think Marvin would best fit somewhere that uh, or with a team that was looking to contend. And if you're looking to contend, then you're probably going to wait a little while until your team sort of figures itself out. And then you decide, hey, do we need that extra bit of shooting, that defense, that locker room presence that Marvin Williams brings, you decide that closer to the trade deadline. You don't really decide that in July. So if I would think if that deal goes down, if it's just Marvin Williams, you move him for a young player or a pick, that's going to happen closer to February and not right now. Uh, but I'm interested in this idea, and and The Ringer, uh, their NBA podcast, brought up this idea as well of Russell Westbrook's fit in Charlotte and possibly being able to move not just one of their expiring contracts in Marvin Williams, but also pairing that with maybe Bismack Biombo and, and a series of picks to bring in Russell Westbrook. I mean, does that does that make sense at all for the Charlotte Hornets in your mind, Walker? It makes absolutely <laughs> zero sense to me that really? you would go zero. Come on, zero, zero, zero. Doug, zero. <laughs> no sense. I, he's if, he's if all Hornets, NBA. I mean, he's, you know, he's a good player. Making forty-seven million dollars in twenty twenty-two, twenty twenty-three. That yeah. it's somebody. So if if Russell Westbrook is making that much money, and you didn't want to pay Kimball Walker, and we were fans of this, we were the ones saying. You know, this is not something that the Hornets should do. They should allow Kimball Walker to go to a different team, try to get off money where you don't give up assets in order to do so at a quicker rate, and then you move on. Bringing on Russell Westbrook would make zero sense to me because this is a team that is rebuilding. No matter if Mitch Kupchak doesn't know how to are say they? that or I don't not, know. they are no, they're rebuilding. <laughs> Look at the <laughs> roster. I'm going to help Mitch Kupchak. I'm going to help him say this. They're rebuilding. If they traded for Russell Westbrook, even if it means getting off a of Nick Batum's contract, Doug, even if you get rid of the worst contract that the Hornets have on their roster, I'm still not doing that deal. It doesn't make any sense to bring in Russell Westbrook and then go at this again. Doug, Russell Westbrook was the star, the only star on the Thunder two years ago, and they were a first-round exit. Yes, in the Western Conference, that's That'd be fine. better than the Hornets have been in three years. But with, with Kimba Walker, who's – I mean, Kimba's probably as good as Russell now, right? Like, where, where is that conversation? Are we there? As, as far as the shooting goes, Russell was awful. For sure a better shooter. I mean, Russell's a better rebounder, probably a better distributor, a better – yeah. I think maybe a better all-around playmaker. Now, again, scorer, shooter, yeah, you're giving that to Kimba. But I think it just in terms of – ball dominant playmaker I mean that's I think that's still Russell Westbrook what is the Charlotte Hornets ceiling giving up a couple of contracts 
in order to get Russell Westbrook compared to what it was with Kimba on the scene, uh, on the team running it back again? Because I don't think it's that much higher. Do you think it's significantly higher? I don't think I don't know if it's significantly higher. You'd still need you'd still have to have a few things break right. I mean, you'd have to have Miles Bridges uh, make a pretty big leap. You'd have to have you know some uh, semblance of of rebirth of of Nick Batum. I mean, you'd still have to have some things go right to advance past the first round. I, I do think if you did add Russell Westbrook and all you lost were uh, Biz and Marvin and and maybe even Malik Monk, then you're instantly a playoff team if everyone stays healthy. Uh, to me, there's no, there's really no doubt about that. Now, I understand, I understand where you're coming from. I'm just sort of, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here sure. because I kind of agree with you that uh, this, this team is in rebuilding mode and it needs to commit to that. And that doesn't mean completely bottoming out. I like, I, I said it on the solo show that I did Friday. I, I, I don't like the money uh, for Terry Rozier, but it's probably what you have to give a player like that, a starting point guard, if that truly is going to be your starting point guard. That's probably the money you have to give. But I like the idea of bringing his veteran uh, presence and his competitiveness into a team full of young guys. So I don't think you have to bottom out. But yeah, I mean, you know, giving a lot of money to Russell Westbrook for the next three, four seasons is that's not that's not rebuilding. That's you're trying to contend and you're you're going to sacrifice your future for that I'm not sure even how many picks it would take to pry Russell Westbrook away from Oklahoma City when all is said maybe done. zero maybe zero but you'd have to wait right and you'd have to hope that another team wasn't desperate enough to give them picks and then you would probably have to wait them out a little bit I, I honestly I don't see I'm probably going to be proven wrong on this but I don't see Russell Westbrook being moved like in July I mean I, I think that's this is this conversation that they're having with probably multiple teams at this point is going to extend maybe even into the regular season this just seems like a messy situation where Oklahoma City is going to want picks and uh, a lot of teams are not going to want to give picks I mean we saw that with John Wall I'm sure Washington's been trying to move Wall for uh, or, or has tried to move Wall a few times and and hasn't gotten the response that they feel like they deserve well, the Heat have not signed their first-round pick, Tyler Hero, yet. And that's significant because if they do sign him, that means they cannot trade him for another 30 days after that. If they don't, then they can trade him immediately. And so now you have to think, okay, if Tyler Hero is not signed, then he could be a chip in, in some kind of trade package in order to get Russell Westbrook because the Heat just don't have many. They, they're kind of like the Hornets in that situation. They've got Bam Adebayo, who's nice. They've got Tyler Hero, who has had a pretty good summer league so far and just a rookie, so his potential is sky high in the eyes of talent evaluators. You've got a couple of pieces that you could move, and you just have to make it make sense to build around Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, and have some kind of depth pieces. But, you know, that that's that's the situation that I see happening. With the Hornets, to me, man, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I have I had talked so much about me being in a personal place of wanting to move on from competing for the eighth seed and failing or even succeeding just to lose in the first round. Yeah. And I don't think Russell Westbrook accomplishes what I had already wanted to move on from any further. I, he doesn't accomplish anything more than that. Yeah, I think it's clear that Russell Westbrook in Charlotte doesn't make any sense to you. But I think it does make a little bit of sense for the Hornets just in terms of you know the cynical stuff, the ticket sales, the, the fan interest that would ultimately yeah. be involved i mean this is this would not be a dwight howard situation i mean russell westbrook has only missed for like 14 games in the past four years like he's plenty healthy um you know his 
his ability to uh, be the sole leader of a playoff team, I think that that idea is completely out of the question now. I mean, we've seen that his flaws sort of prevent him from from you know helping a team be a true like conference contender. But if you're just talking about bringing a player in that's going to generate fan interest, make you an immediate playoff uh, team, and, and possibly with a few breaks going right, dust it up a little bit in the playoffs, I think it does it does make sense for the Hornets just right at this moment, even understanding all of the future implications that would come along with it. These opportun- I, what all, all I would say, and this is what I'll close with, like these opportunities don't present themselves every year. Like you don't have this weird situation where Kawhi – uh, basically kidnaps a player off another team and it causes a, a complete seismic shift that results in a player like Russell Westbrook who is is an MVP candidate like year in year out like I mean th- th- those don't come along very often and I think if you're a team like Charlotte if you've got a shot at that and you don't have to sacrifice everything you know then you have to give it a shot. I think Tom Sorensen said it best when he said it would make the Hornets relevant but not good. And I think that's correct. <laughs> I, I think that's the well, it's better than being irrelevant and also not good. I don't know. It, I mean, it, 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 I would still rather be irrelevant, at least with the potential to be good down the road with younger pieces rather than giving up any type of young pieces to go after Russell Westbrook. I hear. All right. Real quickly, let's end it with just rapid fire summer league thoughts. Uh, I'll give you mine first and let you ponder on it. My summer league thoughts are that Miles Bridges has a great game yesterday against the Golden State Warriors. No, excuse me, against the San Antonio Spurs. Miles mm-hmm. Bridges played very well. You have to like that. You got to like Dwayne Bacon taking over on offense in the first game against the Golden State Warriors. Don't like what I've seen from Cody Martin. He looks uncomfortable. It looks like Josh Perkins is destined for a two-way contract. You have to like what he's given you. And Arnoldus Kubolka does look stronger. You actually see definitions in his arm. So I do like uh, what Kubolka has looked like in just the first game that he played. It was Robert Franks who played the second game, and it seems like they're in a platoon. Those are my rapid-fire Summer League thoughts. Doug, what do you got for us? Yeah, my rapid-fire thoughts are that uh, Kuboka, I'm irrationally excited about him, and I hope he gets a chance maybe this season with the Swarm and maybe next season with with the Big Show. I think you shut Bacon and Bridges down right now. Like They're, they're good. They're ready to roll. We don't need any you know, uh, threat of injury. And then I'll, my last one is that if if Cody Martin and uh, and Devontae Graham look this uncomfortable and, 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 you know, Devontae Graham has struggled to shoot at this point, if that's the situation and the Hornets do want to contend this year, then they have to look at some kind of option at the backup point guard position with the available exceptions that they have left to, to bring players in because neither of those players look ready for a number two role at point guard. I, I wouldn't mind a veteran point guard to bring along this team. I thought maybe Devontae Graham would be that second guy. but Maybe even Russell not, Westbrook. I mean, who knows? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> let's pay $47 million for a, a point guard to bring in here. Yeah, let's spend, what would that be? That'd be $60 million that you're spending. Good you can God buy a almighty. lot of things with $40 million. I'll tell you what, <laughs> next time. All right, we'll take a break, a long break, and we'll do a show, I guess, Wednesday, Doug. You going to hop on Wednesday as well? Are you here for the long haul with me this uh, week? Sounds good. I'll be there. Okay, sounds good. You'll be in Nashville. When you're driving to work or from work or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets, and we will be there with you for the drive and any place you really want to tell your smart device to play Locked on Hornets. Thanks again for listening, and remember you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device again to play podcast Locked on Hornets. 
Thanks again for joining us. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network.